0: I'm Jay, an arts manager, educator, writer, musician, and professional daydreamer.
1: And I'm Miguel, a musician, arts administrator, educator, and lover of all things nerdy.
0: And this is Play Black, a podcast dedicated to nerddom, reviews, and hot takes on arts and culture and the human experience from the perspective of two melanated artists. This episode of Play Black is a breakdown, meaning that the conversation will be a bit deeper and that we'll be sharing more of our personal experiences. The goal of Play Black is to create a space, a brave space, for connecting, sharing, and honesty. We invite you to join us in honoring each other and holding each other up as we navigate complex thoughts and feelings.
1: In other words, no bigotry, trolling, or toxicity, please, and thank you, you toxic folks. I'm kidding. Y'all are great.
0: So let's catch up. How are you? What's, What's going on with you? How you been?
1: I'm okay. It's been an interesting start to my year, but it's been good. It's, it's been <laughs> good to um, make music again uh, and start to figure out uh, what's, what's going to be happening after grad school, what projects I want to focus on. Um, this being absolutely one of them, I really okay. love uh, how we get to just talk about art. Um, yeah. uh, that, that feeds my soul in a way that I didn't know it was missing. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. What's going on with you?
0: Uh I have a retreat coming up. So my staff and I were going away for a week uh to New Hampshire. Ooh. Um rented the Airbnb. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be six of us and one of us virtually. And we're just going to in a way that we haven't really had the ability to before, um, sit down and reflect and think and vision. Um, I think just for us, you know, we grew really quickly as an organization, which has been really great. Um, but we've been so like in the work and making things while we're doing the work that it's just rare that we've had a chance to breathe and say, what's working and what would we like to do? Um, and so I'm excited to have that moment and, uh, yeah, I think it'll be fun. And we're also just going to also have a good time. We're cooking for each other, we'll play some games, Mm. um, there's a whole like fire pit and grill in the backyard and so yeah I think we're gonna, have, we're gonna have a good time. Our retreats we've gotten better about it being very helpful but also being um being fun and we really bonded uh me and my two co-directors after the last one so I think this will be nice to do that with a little bit of a bigger group. So I'm excited. I'm excited.
1: I love that and I love incorporating like wellness into your overall, overall mm-hmm. aesthetic right because mm-hmm. like sometimes we just get too far into the weeds and yeah. don't, you know, take a second to look up at the clouds a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. I, I've also been working on like uh, mindset uh, just generally on mm-hmm. and how I, I apply it to my life, but also how I apply it to my music. You know, uh, we've been talking a lot about um, a, uh, I think her name is Claire Dewick. I, I, I might've gotten that wrong. Uh, she did a study on uh Growth versus fixed mindset. Oh yeah, um, a fixed mindset being uh, where you kind of think you are as intelligent as you're ever going to be, mm-hmm. um, and meaning when you fail, you kind of think, okay, well, maybe that thing I was doing just isn't for me. Rather mm-hmm. than trying again, you're looking at mm-hmm. an angle. Um, and a lot of musicians experience that, right? Mm-hmm. Like they they don't have the technique to do what they want to do. They don't have um, their ear training isn't up to stuff, whatever, mm-hmm. what have you, right? Like um, versus a growth mindset where it's like yeah. failure is viewed as an option, as an opportunity rather mm-hmm. to uh, improve. Uh, and mm-hmm. I have been trying to stress out where in my life I have a fixed mindset and where I have mm-hmm. a growth mindset and what I can do to kind of make those adjustments. So mm-hmm. um, I incorporating that stuff into your daily routine mm-hmm. Um, is super important. So kudos mm-hmm. to uh, Dunamis
0: for always being on the cutting edge. I mean, kudos to you too. I think, you know, particularly when we have this pressure of success, I think those those fixed mindsets can be, you know, really tough. I remember, I tell this story a lot, but when Dunamis was about to kick off, before, was about to spark, Remember, I was sitting on the toilet having an anxiety attack just about, and I was just like, <laughs> "I'm gonna fail. This is gonna fail, mm. and it's and when it fails, I'll never be able to work again. And this this uh, idea, which is a good idea, is gonna be tainted. And then also, I'm gonna fail the people that work for me, and I'm gonna fail the people that we're trying to serve. That's what's gonna happen here. And then. Um, My friend asked me like, well, what would you do if you failed? What would you do if it all burned down?" And I found myself being like, oh, well, I'd see like, why? And then I'd address it, then I'd fix it. <laughs> and so it was interesting because it was just like, you know, I thought I was in a fixed space, right? And my anxiety was playing to a fixed mindset. But then, you know, the core of who I was was saying, well, no, it's it's what you said before, it's an opportunity for growth. It's to be able to say like, this is not an indictment on my skills, my ability on whether this thing should exist. It just says, maybe something went wrong. Maybe you had a gap, maybe you had something else. And now how can you come at it again and do it better? And so I feel like really always being open and remembering that things are not as permanent as they seem, things are also rarely as deep as they seem or feel. is is very very necessary but what we talk talking about this week
1: well so on last week's episode we discussed the avatar universe and how it's just having like a moment right now you know mm-hmm. For the last like six to eight months just a bunch of news about new properties uh excitement about the old properties mm-hmm. um have, has just been in the news um mm-hmm. you know but i've been thinking about you know as these new shows come together uh representation is a constant conversation that I, I, I'm thinking about. With Avatar? Uh, with Avatar, yeah. Hmm. Um, one interesting thing about Avatar and Korra is that the entire world as we know it is based on Eastern cultures, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Inuits, uh, Tibetan, Chinese, and Japanese folks and in that thing we don't discuss by the man whose name we don't say, mm-hmm. <coughs> mm-hmm. uh, members of the Fire Nation were also Indian, right? Mm-hmm. So the core cast of this new Netflix reaction are all Asian as well, which is fantastic. I love representation. Mm-hmm. But, you know, after like the Black Lives Matter protests that happened last year, um, people's studios are especially sensitive to representation. Mm-hmm. And in fact, like, a bunch of white voice actors that were p- playing people of color like stood down for their roles hmm. that made me feel like some kind of way i'm like i don't i don't know uh what exactly the right response is like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, again I'm, I'm sure that these white voice actors have other jobs to do mm-hmm. <laughs> um mm-hmm. but like was leaving their job uh, in that particular case the way to go maybe maybe not i have no idea mm-hmm. But that kind of leads us to today's breakdown on representation. Uh, When did we see it? What do we care about? And what do we not care about?
0: This was interesting to me because I think the other through line for Avatar here is the, these new live action things, they're all focusing hard on representation, whereas most of the voice actors for these were white mm-hmm. in, in all of these. Um, and it's interesting. It's, it's inter- Actually, were there any people of color? I know that Mako, who played um, Uncle Eero, was an Asian man. Dante Basco was an Asian mm-hmm. man. He mm-hmm. played Zuko. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm thinking about everyone else, and I feel like it was mostly white people. That's interesting. It's this is this is what's tough for me. I think um, personally, I don't care about voice actors being the same race as the the character that they're voicing, mm-hmm. unless it's a thing that is like distinctly about the racial identity or that is like integral to the story. Like, I don't want a white man being, you know, the voice of, I don't know, Barack Obama and a story about Barack Obama, the life, the history, the animated series, Barack goes to the past. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to hear Padden Oswald doing that. Um, But I think by and large, uh, you know, particularly with voiceover, these roles are so fantastical. People are orange. People are green. People are cats. That like, I think it gets tough. I think about The Simpsons, you know, another person who stepped down was um, one of the voice actors from The Simpsons who stopped voicing Apu. Um, fair, you know, because I felt like a cultural stereotype, that character, I think. So I feel like there's, I think there's some nuance to this voiceover conversation. But overall, like, as a Black person who consumes this media, I didn't look at those I don't want to reduce it down to gestures, but it felt like gestures to some degree and be like, Oh, we are moving the needle forward. You know what I mean? Like I didn't, it didn't feel like, Oh, this was a necessary part of our fight. What would be nice is, is there a pipeline for people of color to be in the industry? Are there ways for people of color to have access to voice more of these roles? That's something I care more about. What's your pipeline? What's the system that allows them to thrive? I remember I was, uh, was virtual comic-con last year. Cool. And I was watching a panel. um, Oh, wow. This says back to Avatar 2. I was watching a panel with all voice actors. And one of them was Dee Bradley Baker. He's a famous voice actor. He's the one that basically does all the animals and also some people. So he was the voice of Appa and Momo and all that stuff. And there was a woman of color who was talking about how difficult it was to navigate and to get roles and to get jobs as a person of color um, and how there was a double standard. And he goes, well, do you just have to like work harder? Like, yeah, it's not hard. Like, there's no difference. You just, it's it's like a meritocracy. You just work really hard and it gets it. And it was just like, Yikes. whoa, bro, whoa, you are so wrong and it hurts because you're such a part of my childhood. Um, but yeah, it's like it should be a meritocracy. It should be something where, um, you know, people get that chance. And that's what I care more about more than I care about, you know who's voicing what to, to, to some degree. What about you? What do you think on that?
1: Uh, I mean, in the animated context, I think uh, I agree with you uh, completely. Right. Like um, the fact that these characters are on screen. Um, I, I mean, like, I'm not saying, for, for example, the boondocks. Mm, um, right. If anyone other, than Ugh, my is, God. <laughs> Huey, yeah. yeah it'd probably be a problem right mm-hmm. <laughs> like that would be a, kind of a hard line but yeah um i'll, I'll use uh jenny slate who's i think voicing mm-hmm. um uh, character in
0: big mouth the character in big Mouth. yeah mm-hmm.
1: um that character super important and mm-hmm. reads as a black per- a black person is mm-hmm. a black person is is, mm-hmm. is going about their blackness um I'd like to think that I would want more representation in that writing room, writing mm, that character as a voice mm, actor, mm-hmm. than necessarily um, the voice actress, mm. um, Jenny Slate, who I love. Jenny Slate's a, mm-hmm. a really wonderful uh, uh, actress and everything that mm-hmm. she does. Um, and from Massachusetts. Okay. Oh. Um, yeah. So um, it's more about um, how it's received almost. Uh, mm in that way because uh if that character didn't feel authentic Mm -hmm. we would reject it outright anyway and Mm -hmm. sure you you might be able to blame some of that on um the white people writing her or Mm -hmm. the voice actress but like it's 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 a whole bunch of different factors and 100 this is not a meritocracy Mm -hmm. Like, if it it was, like, there there would just be more people of color Mm -hmm. in in these roles, right? Mm -hmm. It's all about access Mm -hmm. and and who you know. So, I'm shocked that that voice actor just like maybe didn't check themselves a little bit. He's a
0: straight white man who, for him, maybe it was a meritocracy. It's It's that consistent thing where, like, he was unable to see outside his own experience and, as such, assumed that what he experienced was the norm. And it's just like, that just does not work the same. Um, I want to make this messier. Are you ready? Okay,
1: okay.
0: So Jenny Slate stepped down. Another person who stepped down was Kristen Bell. Kristen Bell was voicing a character on an Apple TV show uh, called Central Park. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is about a multiracial family. And she was playing a biracial girl, a girl who has a white parent and a black parent. Mm-hmm. And so she stepped down from that role and said, you know, she was actually one of the first. And she was like, shouldn't be here, shouldn't do it, super sorry, um, I'm tapping out. Now, playing devil's advocate, um, we've already said how we feel about kind of the voicing thing. But, I mean, and I feel like the reason this is messy is we're kind of getting into the one drop rule and like what defines blackness? Because if this is a biracial character and half this character identifies as white, like why is it wrong for a white person to play them? And why does that have to be a black person who plays them?
1: I, I mean, that's a great question. I, I think um, when it comes to someone like Kristen Bell, who, you know, is Rich and has an immense amount of privilege, obviously, Mm -hmm. is also a woman and has has experienced, I'm sure, Mm -hmm. her fair share of uh, being othered uh, Mm for being a woman as well. Um, Sometimes I just don't believe that actors are as righteous as they are trying to portray portray themselves to be. Mm-hmm. like i'm not I, i'm not coming for kristen bell or anything like that like, mm-hmm. say, like there's a degree of just like white guilt there oh um, yeah that's, ju- that's just like kind of propelling this mm-hmm. and not to say that um white people shouldn't kind of understand where they are in our society and like engage mm-hmm. with that actively mm-hmm. um uh and I, I could even gauge if it's authentic you know what I mean? for, uh, for, yeah. for for my side right mm-hmm. so it's like um thank you for opening up a spot for a person of color mm-hmm. um that character is I, I i don't know anything about the, mm-hmm. the series but I'm, I'm assuming that character is still red as black um right right uh because of uh our societal standards like if you mm-hmm. if you're if you're uh, an, a sixteenth black and, and and exhibit some of the physical features, you're just gonna be treated like a
0: black person. a hundred percent.
1: right So um, it's just complicated. like yeah. uh, that's a good example of like how um, this isn't black and white <laughs> <laughs> Well done, well done. And, and you have to kind of take it all. Um, on a case by case basis yeah. like, to say that all actors are, aren't doing this uh in good faith is com- a gross sure. um, mischaracterization mm-hmm. um or, or and to say that um all white people who voice black characters mm-hmm. cannot also probably not the way to go necessarily right. mm-hmm. could we find uh black actors to play those roles i'm so mm-hmm. sure mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, see, it's it's just, it's just complicated.
0: Yeah, I think for me, where I land on the whole Kristen Bell thing is, uh, I, I think um, what you said is key about how does the world perceive you? Because if Black people or people of color feel connected, not only because of our skin color, and rarely because of our skin color, but really about the culture we share and the experiences that we share, um, if the world defines you as a black person and you share in those cultural experiences, i think that makes you black. Um, and So for me, yes, a biracial black person is a black person by and large. Uh, again, not monolithically, but mostly. And as such, um, I think if that character, I think is, again, it's about her identity, I feel like it makes sense for that to shift. I think we also, what also worries me, because the other conversation that happens is queer representation and mm. who should be playing queer characters. And I feel like we're, we're in a, two, a two-phase a problem. As someone who used to be an actor, I get really worried about, you know, feeling like only people who identify in a particular way should be playing a certain role. Because it's not what acting is, right? It's right. about creating something new and stepping into something new. And it's important because it gives us empathy. It helps us understand something different. However, I think we can't get to that place where we can operate purely from artistry, when we have historically disregarded and disenfranchised people and not Mm. let them have access to opportunities. I think once we fix that issue, then we can move into a place of anybody do anything, right? Because, you know, we're all here, we're all arrived, but uh, yeah. And I feel like people conflate the two and I just think there's, there's some messiness there as it relates to that. Um, but I think that's by and large how I feel. I agree that we should be able to play anyone we want. However, when people who are what you're playing can't even play anything, when they can't right, get any right, roles, right, 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 right. that's a problem. And maybe we should, <laughs> maybe we should start there, and then we can get to this piece next.
1: I mean, I mean, let me hit you with a with a sports analogy that
0: you
1: might mm-hmm. not get. But, okay. Uh, I, I, as a kid, uh, I was obsessed with the movie Sandlot. Like many yep. mm-hmm. um, people of our baseball uh, age, um, and uh, and then when you when you find out who Babe Ruth is, and also being mm-hmm. from Massachusetts and seeing that he a candy bar, yeah, <laughs> that, that he uh, played for the Red Sox, and he, mm. we, were cur- we were cursed by him, and then mm-hmm. he didn't play until two thousand four, and all this, all the, all that stuff that comes with it, mm-hmm. uh, you, you kind of. I- idealize Babe Ruth before you're aware of the fact that um, Black people were not allowed to play in the major leagues.
0: Mm-hmm. Would
1: Babe Ruth have been as good as he was if he was facing players of the same caliber who just weren't allowed to play? Mm-hmm. I mean, probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that folks got to like contextualize. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I-, I believe just last year uh, or maybe even just a couple months ago, the MLB started um, uh, reflecting um, Negro League stats mm. um, in their rankings of like pe- of, 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 of people as just general uh, baseball stats versus just mm-hmm. Major League Baseball stats and Negro League stats. Mm. Um, and that's, I mean, a step in the right direction, but it also mm-hmm. doesn't fix the oppression that was happening back then. 100%. So, it's, it's an interesting thing. And then on, on the other side of it, uh, like politically speaking, you were talking about, about this offline a little bit, but mm-hmm. um, this quote mm-hmm. um, from Cornell West caught me last year in the middle of all of this strife and in mm-hmm. the election and everything. He said something along the lines of, and I'm paraphrasing, mm-hmm. um, we've tried brown faces in high places mm-hmm. and it does not work. Mm -hmm. necessarily right and i think what he means by that is like we've had people of color Mm -hmm. in high places and things haven't changed Mm for people of color on the ground Mm -hmm. right so basically like just representation Mm -hmm. is kind of hollow unless Mm -hmm. it's brought about with greater like change in societal thought policy that affects those people and what have you right so like Let's go back to Kristen Bell. Like, mm-hmm. if Kristen Bell was like, "I'm going to sit down for this role. We're going to put a person of color in that role. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to facilitate a dialogue on why we did that. We're mm-hmm. going to also have people of color in the writing room. Right. We're also, we're going to have mm-hmm. um, cons- consult people of color on why this character matters and why, uh, why not. And actually, here's a black
0: it's- EP. Yeah. Right. And, and mm-hmm.
1: Engage like mm-hmm. that." to me seems more yeah. transformational yeah. than just her stepping down.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. So it's a tricky line to 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 cross. And I completely agree with you right now. Like um we have to kind of get over that hump of everyone having access before we can get back to just the art. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean I guess I'll see you in 200 years now. Uh- <laughs> <laughs>
0: I oscillate wildly between being optimistic and idealistic about our ability to make change. And a part of me goes, there are so many of us who share some beliefs around, you know, humanity and equality and equity. And then there are other days when it's like we are an inherently selfish and violent species and we will bring about our downfall. And that's so, yeah, there's no in between for me. Um, but to your point, you know, I was facilitating some, some workshops at some conferences last year. And so a lot of, you know, white led institutions are having the same issue of just like, okay, we need to do better. There's a moment we recognize the moment. And what was worrying me was there was a proliferation all of a sudden of DI coordinators, Mm. DI specialist, Mm. uh, vice president of diversity, all these new Positions popping up. And the thing that I would ask these white leaders institutions are, it's one thing to create a role for somebody, but how are you creating space for them to stay? Are you going to listen to them? (laughs) <laughs> like, you know, is your board still problematic? Right. And it's like what you're talking about, where just installing someone doesn't solve the problem, but you have to really reshift around them, give them institutional power, give them a space where they can feel see. Because then I think about we know what it feels like to be that brown face in a high space. And we know how isolating it is. We know how gaslighting it can feel. We can know how disempowering it is. Because if you are the person who's responsible for coming in there and changing an institution to be aware of its racist or you know um, oppressive practices, but you're always met with disdain or pushback or whatever, why would, you, why would you be subjected to that? And where I'm at is, I'm not the savior anymore. And I don't think my people need to be dropping into being saviors anymore. That's not fair, because it is an assault to their personhood to have to do that. And so you need to make sure that you are creating a space that actually allows them to come in there and feel welcome and to do those things. So we're in full alignment there. a question when was the first time that you felt represented um and it can be on screen and books movie tv all of it
1: oh uh, that's an interesting thing well you know i was recently asked this a separate question mm-hmm. that relates to this um what was the first time you had a uh black uh or brown teacher or Mm. um something along those lines and i am really lucky um i had a black principal Mm. elementary school Mm -hmm. like kindergarten on mr Mm. welsh he was the shit Mm -hmm. and he was unapologetically black Mm -hmm. (laughs) in a way that um was just amazing to see so it was just kind of normalized Um, Mm -hmm for me which is really nice so but on screen that's a that that, that gets more complicated hmm. because um I wasn't kind of aware of my blackness as a child mm. right because I'm, I'm 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 Afro-Latino right like I, mm-hmm. I, I grew up here so mm-hmm. like folks kind of read me as black mm. um, and um there's definitely African descent um, mm-hmm. If you know anything about history, the uh, mm-hmm. Dominican Republic or the island of Espanola is where mm-hmm. Christopher Columbus landed first. <laughs> uh, and where I'm so Patriots
0: sorry for y'all. Yeah.
1: Um, there's definitely uh, African descent um, and there's definitely uh, aspects of African culture that still mm-hmm. in the uh, Dominican Republic today. Mm-hmm. They, they, a lot of folks will recognize that, right? Mm-hmm. But at the time when I was a kid, uh, I would consider myself Latino, not necessarily black. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first time I remember hearing and watching something that was close to my experience, not my experience, close to my experience, sure, um, was a George Lopez comedy special. Mm. Um, and it's because Mexican folks and Dominican folks are very different, extremely. Mm. Different. Mm-hmm. But the fact that this dude was brown Mm -hmm. he was speaking in spanish Mm -hmm. and that there are greater societal like um uh, similarities between our cultures that have been touched uh by indigenous and uh, and and latino forces Mm -hmm. that was the first time i really like wow that guy um he's not like me we're different Mm -hmm. but like this is as close as i've ever seen Mm -hmm. um to someone kind of speaking towards my experience, mm-hmm. um, until uh, I read um, the brief and L- wondrous life of Oscar Wow by Juno yeah. Diaz. Juno mm-hmm. um, Diaz is problematic.
0: Um,
1: um, we have to acknowledge that Juno uh, Diaz has done some uh, questionable and awful things. He's at least been accused of some questionable and awful things mm. um, that I. hope he has is reflecting on Mm. um and uh that book was the first time that i saw my life experience played out by a really talented author Mm.
0: um
1: my brother gave me that book and he i I think he made an inscription they basically said like this book is for us like this 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 is our life made on paper wow um it's a good read um, if you don't want to support Junot Diaz, uh, take, Google what he's done to figure out what, figure it out for yourself. I am glad I read those books when I did um, before I knew um, of his transgressions. Um, mm. But yeah, it's um it's a complicated thing. It's a complicated oh, you
0: won a Pulitzer for that. That's interesting.
1: Okay. Oh, it's it's a it's a, it's an amazing book. It's an amazing mm. book, and uh, based off of what he wrote in the character I think that is an analog for him mm. it's not necessarily surprising to me that he uh, did the things that he has been accused of, of mm-hmm. doing or like, all accusatory I, I, I don't think any, any, anything's been uh, fleshed out in mm. courts uh, mm. or, or anything like that mm. so yeah what was the first time you saw yourself um, represented on this
0: I'm thinking particularly just like in the the nerd lens so sci-fi fantasy in that space i Mm. think interestingly enough and i just i just thought about this when we were preparing for the episode it it was two books two book series. um the first is the circle of magic series by tamora pierce that by itself is just a very impactful series for me and she's a very impactful author for me and in many ways she's like my own personal J.K. Rowling, in that the impact she had on my life, problematic behaviors aside, um, and so yeah, like she has shaped a lot of who I am as a reader, um, and as I take the writing journey, I'm finding even even that like my story, um, it's inspired by some choices that she made, and so in that series there is. Um, Basically, it's about these four protagonists, they're mages, um, and they're what's called ambient mages. And so in this story, there's like academic mages and ambient mages and academic mages. They use magic that's powered by themselves. They draw the power from themselves. And that's how they do it. Ambient mages um, uh, kind of use the magic of the world around them. And so there's um, a green mage. His name is Briar. There's a weather mage. Her name is Triss. There's a Stitch Witch. Uh, her name is um, oh oh my lord, Sandrine Fatorin. Sorry, mm-hmm. Sandry. Um, And then there's a black character, and her name is Daja, and she's a forge mage. And um, not only is she black with dreads and like dark black, mm-hmm. she also comes out later in the series as lesbian. And these books were written like back in the day day. Okay, these are not mm-hmm. new, Perfect. and. Um, Super progressive for the time. And then the other one uh, is actually a Rick Riordan story. Um, Everyone knows him for the Percy Jackson books, but he also wrote um, a trilogy um, about Egyptian gods and the children. And in this story, um, it's two biracial leads, but the, the daughter takes after their mother and looks white and the son takes after their father and kind of presents as black. And they write in the story a lot, and these are middle grade books. I mean, these are books written for not YA; it's not teenagers. It's like middle school uh, kids. Um, it comes up frequently that like people don't think they're related because their skin is so different. Mm. Um, and then I also remember because these books are written in first person that Carter brings up at one point um, being racially profiled in a store, and I was just like. Mm. We talking about this in a guest book? Um, what dawned on me today is that the first time I felt seen and represented was in two books written by white people. Um, but I will say that it was not until really the past two years that I've been able to find and enjoy uh, stories like the one I loved as uh, growing up, written by people of color, starring people of color. Um, I think it happened a lot more in the sci-fi space. And I definitely read more fantasy than I do sci-fi. Um, so like Octavia Butler, I was late on. Nnedi um, uh, Okorafor, I found later. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. Recently, I've been getting to read a lot more and it's been such an interesting experience, both good and bad. Um, but I would say the time that I felt it in my spirit the most where my spirit sang it was Black Panther. It was ju- it's so hard to describe that feeling. It was it was just from when they announced it to seeing the cast, and you had just never seen a stat. I mean, it was never done before, mm-hmm. it had just never been done before. And then you go there, and it's it's uh black people with a black writer director um, also telling a black story, which also surprised me, right? Because, you know, this is a superhero movie and it very easily could have been, Oh, you know, someone's stealing our vibranium. Let's go get it back. But the choice to tell a story about the tension between Africans and the diaspora Mm -hmm. who gets to belong, The responsibility we feel towards each other to tell such a Black story in a Black way with a Black cast and these beautiful, beautiful costumes and this amazing music. T'Challa's theme gets me every time in my chest. It was just, and then also the cultural reverberation that happened. Right, like me and my squad went, and we dressed up, and people were taking pictures of us, and we're taking pictures of people, and we're like, "Hey, sis, hey, bruv!" And watching, you know, all the dance videos and reaction videos online, and it truly felt like T'Challa is our king as a black group. It was just—I don't know that there's anything that can ever match that experience. You know what I mean? Um, I saw it four times. I brought my mom to see it; she loved it. I brought my teens to see it. Um, and so I just feel like that, to have that. And I know that, you know, our Asian siblings are feeling that right now between Crazy Rich Asians and Shang-Chi. Like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I get it. It's, it's so rare and so powerful yes. to finally have these stories that you've loved, loved you back in a very specific and intentional way. Um, yeah, yeah. 100%, uh, 100%.
1: And it's... Um... I feel like a lot, a lot of times there's a a a a, a, black, a backlash. I was about to say backlash. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, a uh, t- uh, backlash to these moments because folks are like, "Oh, you There's a narrative that's unfounded, but there's mm-hmm. a narrative nonetheless that um, folks are shoving representation into. Sure uh stereotypically uh white male characters yeah uh, uh thor being um natalie portman in the upcoming movie mm-hmm. um uh the recently in invincible uh the 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 girlfriend character um isn't a black woman in the comics. Um, it is is a black woman here, right? mm, like, mm. Um, and folks are just like, you wouldn't like it if we took one of your characters and made them white. Well, yeah, we have like three of them,
0: right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, y'all get mad about one character when y'all still got three thousand six hundred forty five left. Like, calm down.
1: That's what I'm saying, you know. And it's like, it's it's a really like it's a it's a view into how they they they, they don't like to be challenged. One hundred percent worldview. Mm -hmm. Um, because they, it's, 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 it's a bit fragile and Mm -hmm. and, you can just poke holes, um, into what they're doing. We've been talking about a lot about like, uh, black folks doing black shit mm-hmm. um, we had an experience uh, yeah doing something yeah that uh, a lot of folks would consider i i, I don't agree with this mm-hmm. white shit
0: yeah Um, I considered it that to be honest. Yeah. To some degree. Yeah. Yeah, So we recently, uh, played D&D. Um, we talked about it in the last episode and it was the Avatar D&D. And to be perfectly frank, you know, I mentioned last week that it had felt as much of a nerd as I am, for whatever reason, D&D was feeling very, um, nerdy for me. Like it was very hard for me to Connect with it and have a desire to to do it, and I was confused by it because so much of what it was are are things that I like, and I think I had a greater greater understanding when I tried to watch shows like Cursed on Netflix or The Witcher. Mm -hmm. And what I was realizing was I had spent my lifetime consuming things that looked just like this. It's people. As soon as it's fantasy, it's white people with some swords British accents some shit's gonna happen in a pub and I was just like oh I'm like I'm tired of that story because that story is everything we ever get in this genre and as I began to like watch d videos I was realizing that like oh it's more of that it's a group of white people putting on British accents talking about like orcs and I'm just like, as much as I love the Lord of the Rings movies, I had a lot of problems with how there was not a drop of melanin in those films. Yeah. And uh, did you, did you ever hear the story about the casting call um, where like the darker people were just allowed to be orcs, but even though orcs mostly were white people. I didn't even know. Oh wow. Yeah. No. Yeah. So yeah. for me, I was realizing that it was not necessarily D&D that I had a problem with. It was the whiteness. It was the white culture that had so deeply gotten in there. Um, And so I actually found it a little bit more bearable when I started seeing like people of color play. And so it was just this really interesting experience of, um, of not feeling like I was welcome in that space and not feeling... That particularly Mm -hmm. me and my blackness would be welcome in that space. Um, And then to take it a step further and to jump back a little bit to what you were saying about like um, swapping characters. I don't want a black Superman. Mm -hmm. I don't want a black James Bond. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, there are other stories to tell. Give me a new hero who is black. Like, you know, Naomi, that new character, and who's also getting a TV show produced by Ava DuVernay. That's cool to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I always think this with the James Bond movies. He is 007. That means that there is at least 001 through 006. Tell right. a different 00 story. Mm-hmm. Show us 004, the black man who's been cleaning up after James all this years, <laughs> or is better than James, right? And like, James <laughs> looks like sucky in comparison. Like, tell us those stories and so for me what i loved last night uh playing that DD was this was a world that we had access to and typically when we talk about white people and black people it is we are not you know there's no such thing as reverse racism i want to make that really clear but we're not prejudiced against white people we're talking very much about the reality of white supremacy that exists in this country but That's not to say that we don't fuck with white people right there's some great white people that we fuck with um and so last night again was not just black people together. We had a white DM several white people are part of the game. um, And it was largely people of color and we had to enjoy that together. I think Mm -hmm. whenever minorities are pushing for change, it's about inclusion, not necessarily about exclusion. And so it's never necessarily, we only want to make a space that only we have that you're not allowed into. Sometimes, yes, we do need our own space to be fair. Yes, we need some place to like not have the white gaze sometimes, Um, but we wanna be inclusive. And so in this inclusive game last night, um, it felt amazing to do this really nerdy thing um, with our Latinx friends, with our white friends, with our black friends, be there together. And it completely shifted the vibe and the experience that I had been seeing and watching. I, I mean, have you, how did that feel for you at the d and game? And I guess in your artistry as well?
1: Uh, I mean, it was just amazing to be doing something because E and D is fun. It's acting. It's role playing. It's, mm-hmm. it's it's a game. It's it's engaging. It works your brain. Uh, it uh, but it felt so good to still be like, just a bunch of people of color, mm-hmm. like being people of color. You know, we mm-hmm. loud. We dance. <laughs> there mm-hmm. was music flowing. Uh, it was a birthday, so there was there was drinks. Like we was having a good time, but we we're also mm-hmm. just like in it, in this kind of nerdy thing. Um, yeah. I, I had a great time. I have played D&D before, so it wasn't like my first rodeo, but mm-hmm. I loved watching y'all learn mm-hmm. the game. Mm-hmm. Like it was just fun to watch everyone learn the game and just start to engage. And once everyone started to understand what, what the mechanics were, mm-hmm. it started to flow, mm-hmm. you know, um, and yeah, uh, this actually brought up a, a, an experience um that I had a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um so my partner's white.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um see we fuck with, with, with my folks. I'm selling y'all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh my partner's white uh and we were going to a birthday party of a friend of mine uh who is uh, biracial white black um and uh we were gonna go do a paint night. Mm-hmm. Now when you think of paint nights what do you think of you know uh white Suburban wine moms who are mm. out for a night on the town is the kind mm. of vibe that initially comes to my mind. It's the same mm. vibe that comes to my partner's mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been to a paint night before; it's fun. Like if you like mm-hmm. to paint, sure. Um, but um, Kelsey's never been to a paint night with just a bunch of really fun people of color, yeah. um, and it completely like re- like opened up their eyes. Mm -hmm. to like what was possible if you inject a a, a place that's typically Mm -hmm. um, kind of sterile and white Mm -hmm. with um, people who typically haven't had access to that space Mm. Um, and it was a lot of fun again there was music there was dancing Mm -hmm. folks were being allowed the food Mm -hmm. was on point like just the things that we always bring to a celebration mm-hmm. were there. We just mm-hmm. happen to be in a space that's typically reserved for white folks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, 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 that's why it's important for us to have access to those things. And also yeah. for other folks to realize that mm-hmm. all because something has been typically white, whatever that mm-hmm. means, mm-hmm. um, that anyone can experience it and have a good time with it. Man. Uh and and move forward. And I think we're gonna we are gonna move forward with that D D game because it was a lot mm-hmm. of fun. It was a great way for all of us to get together mm-hmm. um, and express ourselves. I think it's time for our final word Jay. the final
0: word yes
1: so you know we out here being nerds and such and mm-hmm. we're going to hit you with a couple of different types of quotes mm-hmm. um, I don't know how y'all feel about this but I'm going to go out and say it if, y'all, if you're a fan of Dragon Ball Z uh, iconic anime that kind of opened the doors to anime in the United States in the uh, mid 90s to uh, early 2000s mm. Um, and you know the character Piccolo. And you're a person of color. You know that he's black. Mm -hmm. You, 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 you just know. (laughs) That's that's just who he is. Um, and he's also full of wisdom. And uh, we'll we'll talk about the magical negro trope later. But, Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Piccolo always has some wisdom. Um quote, you'll laugh at your fears when you find out who you are. Mm. End quote. Uh, and that resonated with me uh, because it highlighted that fixed versus growth mindset thing we're, we were talking about before um, when, when we started the show. You will absolutely look back from where you came from mm-hmm. And just like think how, why did i let any of those things stop me or get in my way hmm. uh, once you're be- authentically being yourself and mm-hmm. achieving at the level you want to achieve and are capable On mm. uh, a micro level if i'm learning a piece and i was really having a, a struggle with it uh, early on and then once i'm performing it in front of hundreds of people mm-hmm. like, a couple months later i'm like oh it, the pieces were all there. I just needed to like put them together. percent on, on, on a macro level. Um, hey man, we're both uh, fairly successful men of color in our mm-hmm. early thirties. Mm-hmm. Grad school, the whole thing, mm-hmm. independent, making it, making it work. Yep. Doing things that we love like this podcast. Yes. Um, and a, a lot of stuff got in the way, but like looking back on it, it ain't no big thing.
0: A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Just, and this is, this is that it gets better thing, right? About just when you're in the, when you're in the midst of the pain and the anxiety and the worry and the the negative self-talk, it feels like the moment you're experiencing is is your life but to remember that that moment is just a moment and that that moment will pass and that there are so many times where you get to this age and you think back and you say i never dreamed this for myself i never thought i could be living this life that i'm living and there was a quote that came from somebody it was from beyonce who said that she's now living on the other side of her sacrifice as she's 40, right? And like taking a moment to stop and sit in that, um, it's just important to remember that. Our quote, um, the second quote comes from Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, who is um, a a writer and storyteller and speaker. Um, And this goes back to our theme of representation in these stories. And she says, stories matter, many stories matter. Stories have been used to dispossess and to malign, but stories can also be used to empower and to humanize. Stories can break the dignity of a people, but stories can also repair that broken dignity. The consequence of the single story is that it robs people of dignity. It makes our recognition of our equal humanity difficult, and it emphasizes that we are different, rather than how we are similar.
1: Mm. You better say it.
0: Yeah, well, she better say it. I had to say what she said.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it, sto- stories are the only thing that keep me going. Mm. Like, And you might think, you're, you're a musician. Music is stories. Absolutely. Like, uh, Tell the television we talk about stories. Mm-hmm stories books stories history stories Mm -hmm. um and it's important to understand the difference between a narrative and a story yeah right a narrative is something that folks are trying to tell you through a story
0: Mm -hmm.
1: a story is the actual, like, kind of facts on the ground and the mechanics as to which the narrative works. Sure. Meta narrative, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the effect on the people that the story is about.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: f- folks need to hash that out for themselves.
0: And recognize the power of the stories. I think we love to, part of our work as artists, unfortunately, is also arts advocacy, right? We're always having to make the case for why the art's important, even though it's so obvious that people determine their societal views. They, you know, anesthetize their um, emotions or feelings. There's this lyric I love um, from a musical called... uh, Oof, what's the musical called? It's from Stu and the Negro Problem. It's a Tony award-winning musical. Ah, oh, Passing Strange, thank you. It's called Passing Strange. And there's this lyric where he says, this music always rescues me. There's a melody for every malady, prescription song you see. Okay. And it's, it's that, we need stories to survive, to heal, to move forward, to get through our day. Um, so yeah, go, go, go read a story go go take in a story go listen to a song um and thank you for listening to us today
1: absolutely uh we hope you enjoyed this episode of the breakdown Woo! uh our show can be heard wherever podcasts are available of course make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave a review on apple podcasts uh if you like what you heard it's beyond helpful for us uh you can also follow us on instagram at playblackpodcast DMS there to pitch things you'd like to hear us talk about, gush about how much you love the show, or share your favorite TED Talk with Jay over some uh, some coffee. Oh!
0: oh. Or, or hot, hot chocolate.
1: chocolate. Or hot chocolate, because the homie doesn't drink
0: coffee. I, I, don't.
1: Don't I don't know how he's about.
0: I don't get it. Cheer <sighs> force of will.